the fourth Sunday of Advent. The wait for Christmas joy is nearly over. As we, as we round the corner from Advent into Christmas, we're poised on the brink of holy birth. This is Mary's day, but in today's Gospel reading, she shares the day with her much older cousin Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant with the child John, who will prepare the way for Jesus, as we've heard the last two weeks in our Gospel readings. The theme of today's Gospel reading from Luke is two pregnant women surprised by joy. Mary has just learned that she is to have God's child, and she has accepted the angel Gabriel's earth-shattering news that she will bear a holy son with her words, let it be according to your word. The angel has told her of Elizabeth's more than surprising pregnancy, so Mary visits her cousin, and as Mary enters Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth exults at the remarkable, no, miraculous news about both of them. We all just read together the beautiful, poetic words, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. We call it the Magnificat. When I was in junior choir, we called it the Magnificent Cat. Don't know why, but I always think of that. Magnificat. But we call it the Magnificat from the Latin for magnify, and for those of us who were Episcopalians in the old morning and evening prayer days, we frequently said or sang the Magnificat. They are words of unsurpassing joy. Poet Phoebe Willits, deaconess in the Church of England, writes of such joy in her poem, Magnificat. The first few lines, my heart is bubbling over with joy. With God, it is good to be woman. From now on, let all peoples proclaim it is a wonderful gift to be. Mary, just having learned that she'll be a mother, Elizabeth about to become a mother, and they proclaim together with God, it is good to be woman. Elizabeth has also been surprised by joy, the joy that in her old age she's to give birth. Today's reading from Luke assumes that we all know about Elizabeth, but in fact, only Luke's Gospel tells the full story of Elizabeth and her elderly priest husband, Zechariah. The details of John's birth are as remarkable as those of Jesus. Faithful priest Zechariah and his righteous wife Elizabeth have served God all their lives, but are burdened that they've never had children. And one day, as Zechariah is serving in the temple, in the inner sanctuary where priests offered up incense to God, Zechariah has a vision of an angel from God. He's overcome by fear, but the angel assures him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. In the Hebrew, John means Jehovah has been gracious. The angel goes on, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. With the spirit and power of Elijah, this prophet will go before God to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, Zechariah is astounded and he asks of the angel, 
how can this be? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. <laughs> and the angel replies, I am Gabriel. The name means man of God in Hebrew. And I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Indeed, Zechariah cannot speak when he leaves the sanctuary of the temple. And soon thereafter, Elizabeth conceives. Joy and happiness to the couple, yet Zechariah must celebrate wordlessly. But the angel Gabriel is not yet finished. He then appears to Elizabeth's young cousin Mary of Nazareth, who's engaged but not yet married to a man descended from David. That story we all know. And once again, Gabriel announces earth-shattering news. Mary, who's unmarried, will bear a son and she'll name him Jesus, meaning he who saves. Gabriel tells Mary he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. Of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary accepts God's power and will with the words for which she is renowned. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Let it be. The story of the Annunciation. Gabriel's announcement to Mary is widely known, but her visit to Elizabeth is rehearsed far too seldomly, which is too bad, for this beautiful story underscores kinship, the support of women for one another, and indeed the telling of each other their most intimate experiences and thoughts. Mary arrives at her cousin's home, and Elizabeth immediately blesses her and then announces that her baby is stirring strongly within her as she greets with joy her cousin Mary. Knowing that Elizabeth carries John the baptizer, proclaimer of Jesus the Christ, leads us to suspect he would be rather a wild baby even in the tomb, a stirrer-upper even before he was born. And then, in the Lucan story, come the beloved words to the song we call the Magnificat. The text attributes the Magnificat to Mary, but a footnote remarks in many ancient texts suggesting Elizabeth proclaimed those words of praise. And that has always fit the context of this wonderful story, for Mary is there to be with Elizabeth in her amazing confinement. An older woman, who'd long since given up expecting the blessings of motherhood. Phoebe Willits, deacon, as I say, in the Church of England, writer of this poem called Magnificat, here's her poem in entirety. My heart is bubbling over with joy. With God, it is good to be woman. From now on, let all peoples proclaim it is a wonderful gift to be. The one in whom power truly rests has lifted us up to praise. God's goodness shall fall like a shower on the trusting of every age. The disregarded have been raised up. The pompous and the powerful shall fall. God has feasted the empty-bellied, and the rich have discovered their void. God has made good the word given at the dawn of time. Imagine the cousin, one young cousin and poor, 
the other cousin middle-aged, a respected member of her faith community through her husband Zechariah the priest, bubbling over with joy together. With God, it is good to be woman. Both women are holy vessels, two strong women. So when John is born, the people insist that he be named Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth says, no, no, he's to be called John. None of your relatives is named John, says the crowd around her. And indeed, they go to Elizabeth's husband. <laughs> What's the name you want, they ask him. What's the name you want? And Zechariah writes, his name is John. That must have felt good to Elizabeth, who had known all along what to do while her husband rejoiced in silence. As soon as Zechariah confirms Elizabeth's name for her baby, John, Zechariah regains his speech, another sign that God is involved in this entire process. The people who hear of these marvelous works of God are filled with wonder, and they come to expect great things of this child, John. And strong Mary, so often equated with purity, humility, a fragile sort of motherhood bound up in light blue, and piety. In fact, today's collect, the one for Mary's Sunday, calls to mind Mary, virgin, pure, in whose womb grows the Son of God. In the collect, we ask God to purify our conscience by your daily visitation, that Christ may find in us a mansion prepared for himself. Parallel language to Mary, virgin, pure, mother of God, a mansion, a vessel, for God's incarnation. The challenge there is for all of us to serve as incarnation vessels, but the oft-described Mary, meek and mild, is opposite to the Mary who would serve as mother of a stirrer-upper, Jesus of Nazareth. I like to think of Mary as very alive, very strong, strong enough to be part of the life of this son who would never give her comfort and security. I often think that the Church has distorted God's message of hope with its focus on purity. In this distortion, the stable animals are all shampooed and fragrant. The straw upon which Jesus is born is sparkling clean. The clothes used for the birth are sanitized, and Mary in our creches is alone, having borne a child painlessly. When would a birth not be attended by several women? Clearly, if Joseph's family is there for the census, there are relatives to help. All of the romanticism which surrounds the birth of Jesus negates the wonder which Mary and Jesus proclaim, Mary and Elizabeth proclaim. Even though 2,000 years ago in Palestine, it was mostly no fun to be a woman. They know that with God, it is good to be woman. To me, the import of Jesus' birth lies in the poverty and transient nature of the holiest of births. The disregarded have been raised up. To me, the import of Jesus' life lies in the simple message which he proclaimed during his three-year public ministry 
and then modeled by his death, if you love God, give yourself away. Jesus taught of a realm where no one hungers or thirsts. God has feasted the empty-bellied, in Willett's words. Feasted the empty-bellied. Purity didn't seem to be Jesus' goal. Faithful response is what Jesus demands of us. Here am I. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary's words of strength when God invited her to an awesome task. The child born in poverty calls us to respond likewise. Here I am. Let it be. Elizabeth and Mary are the advent vessels of God. You and I are the continuing vessels. And in our response to God's love, poet Phoebe Willits exults in her final line, God has made good the word given at the dawn of time. Amen.